welcome back to Now, a series of podcasts where we celebrate all things related to the variously compiled world of pop. In the company of some wonderful guests, we open up gatefold vinyl sleeves, unfold cassette inlays, slip out CD booklets, and explore how our favourite compilation albums have shaped our lives and now fondly stand as time capsules for our own pop culture journeys. And join in with me, Ian, and the Back to Now social community across Twitter, Facebook, Substack, and Instagram by searching for the Pop Rambler pages. So welcome, listeners, to what is being described as a summer special, a summer supplement, you may even say, perhaps even like a pull-out section of an old smash hits. It is the Back to Now podcast, but it's a little bit different. We have got two friends of the show with us, and we introduce, in chronological order, uh, we have Mr. Johnny California. Chronological? No, it's maybe alphabetical order. Anyway, hello. (laughs) Yes, Johnny with a key, California. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I guess if you were filing our CDs in uh, in the racks at a Virgin Megastore, I would come first, and Ian Wade would come in under W. So yeah. And Ian Wade, what? How are we? I am super. I'm filed under W. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest. Nobody, Nobody files CDs under the first name of the artist, do they? Do what they? do you do, Alice Cooper? Yeah, well, yeah, oh, good point, actually. Oh, all right, okay. okay. Oh, let's not get into this. We'll be here all night. <laughs> so, welcome along, guys. It is the summertime. This is a, a sidestep from the usual. However, all will be revealed that it's maybe a kind of adjacent step, maybe more than a sidestep. Uh, but there'll be plenty of pop leather and plenty of pop rambles. But before we start, I'm not going to ask you two about growing up or anything like that because we've heard all of that and listeners well, don't, too. Don't make me relive it. Know all of that, and no, we're not going through that again. Um, or first records or anything like that. But I thought summer special. If you had pulled this supplement out of Smash Hits, pop stars of the day would be saying what their favourite summer songs would be. So, oh, completely put on the spot. <laughs> and this time I'm going to flip it. I'm going to ask Ian first. Favourite summer song? Go. Oh God. Um... One song I really like and associate with summer is Rue de Silva, Touch Me. Even though it wasn't a hit until like January, I remember in the video they're all dancing on like a, a rooftop and I thought I'd love to have a flat roof type house or flat in London where you have the lights up and you go up and just rave in the thingy. Uh, you've thrown me there. Well, I know, but that's that's the point. You two are pros at this. I mean, you know, you, you're <laughs> picking it up as you go. I'll just say, flat roofs are great, terrible for drainage. For, uh, yes. for yes. that didn't come to the video. Johnny, you've had time to think. Go on. I have. I've had time to think and scroll through one of my summer playlists. But I'm just doing that right now. <laughs> the first thing I came up with, which is completely not on brand, is "Long Hot Summer" by Girls Aloud. Yeah. Nobody likes, <laughs> uh, and I was devastated when it didn't do very well. But to be on brand, I would go for "Cruel Summer" by Bananarama. Oh well, I would say just looking through my summer playlist, uh, "Silly Games" Janet Kay never fails to sound amazing, but even more amazing when it's boiling hot. And of course, "Summer Night City" by the ABBA. Yes, any it's, chance it's to summer and intense, and uh, yeah. yes, you yeah. want to live ABBA's life. Can I also can I also give an honorary mention to um, the new Janelle Monae album, which is literally summer <laughs> in about thirty. It's only, only about thirty five minutes long, and it's all segued. I don't know if you've heard it, The Age of Pleasure, but mm. I really love it. Thirty two. I'm just checking. Thirty two minutes long. It all segues into one. It's all like one long kind of party 
And yeah, I'm really enjoying that. So that is summer for this year for me. Do you know, yeah. I, I was talking to someone not not so long ago about the original Now Summer album from 86 and how much of it still 100% still stands up. Well, I need to have a look at the track yeah. list now that you know. It kind of works. Because, I mean, I remember there was like two Beatles tracks on there, which was like unheard of. Unheard of, yeah. And two Beach Boys tracks and stuff like that. And you can hear me tapping. <laughs> I was just like, right, where's the discogs on this? It had things like The Sun Goes Down Living It Up by Level 42 on it, which is like... Level 42, that and Love Games. Uh, and that reminds me of a holiday, well, it would be 40 years ago now. Mm. Um, Echo Beach. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Good Two song. tracks by The Loving Spoonful, like yeah. in, in succession. That's kind of mad. Yes. Is that the only case of a No album? any no album where there's two songs by the same artist side by side i think it probably is yeah yeah unless you count feats on later ones but yeah gosh yeah there's one for the twitterati to get excited about <laughs> the work of twitterati yes the back to no twitterati going hang on there must be another one that's another one uh yes loving spoonful there we go so ah oh, yes summer songs, we're, not, we're not talking about now summer though are we no we're not no we're not do you know what the listener be tuned in or she tuned in <laughs> we'd now be thinking oh they're going to talk about the now summer album that's why it's a summer no. special now we're just about to ruin it for them no we are here it's for... a bit like the two midnight summer special whatever where you thought oh that's going to have so and so but then there's lots of other stuff yeah. on but yeah or <laughs> what was it called was it rock around the clock the bbc version yes I remember when you had to vote for your favourite videos. Yeah, they had a video wall. Yeah. You could make your videos. And it used to just, I think Mark Mark Ellen and David Hepworth just really did make it up. I mean, this this isn't made up tonight, listeners. This is proper script no. material tonight. But this is pro. I mean, this is pro. But Rocker and the Clock used to start at like, oh, no, like a certain time and go right through the night. And you'd set videos to long play to record concerts by Bob Seger at three in the morning. And I mean, it was yeah. proper, you know, those were the days, kids. Those were the days. It's amazing when you think of the archive that the BBC has that, how kind of ropey some of that 12 hour expedition was. But I mean, I think it was just because it's sort of almost like uh, the whistle test long play, but with a little bit of concession to kind of the modern world of videos. Because I think, I was waiting for Frankie video to come up or someone to have voted it, but I doubt anyone actually did ring in. We are way off script here, as Johnny keeps indicating to us. It is 1991, listeners. It's 19, it is 1991. And, but we're not here to celebrate now 19. Niall McMurray has done that in such sparkling style already. We're not here to celebrate now 20 because, frankly, nobody has yet. Now 20 is still available for anybody who like to come and celebrate the world of Kathy Dennis and Vic Reeves. First time with that with that new logo as well. Um, yes, but we're not here to talk about Now 20. No. Now 19. We're here to talk about compilation albums that aren't actually even Now albums. And I'm, now adjacent, we think. Well, this is what we think. Now, yes. followers of the Now series will be very, very au fait with two compilation albums that came out in 1991, now being held up in various formats by our guests, even on vinyl. That must have cost you a fortune, Ian Wade. Uh, five pound. I got a couple of records, a couple of singles chucked in free as well. So I think he was just happy to get rid of it. Oh, yeah. He always says, oh, I've got some new nows in. I mean, I got them. So, um... <laughs> but you see, that's the point, because to the untrained eye, these look like now albums, but they are not. So let's first of all set up the story, if we can, with as little information as we have about what is awesome. 20 massive hits 
It's from our friends at EMI Records. It's from the Ashley Abram team. And quick on the draw. And quick on the draw. So everything is in place. Yeah. And the sleeve notes are there. And the pictures are there. Mm. Everything is there. And this was released the 23rd of February, 1991. So chronologically, that's twice I've used the word chronologically now in the last 10 minutes. Yes. This one may actually be correct. Might be. Logically, this comes before now 19. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. Before yes. now 19, there is a bit of crossover on there. It comes after now 18 by about eight weeks or so. And there's a bit of crossover there as well. Johnny with his like, you know. <laughs> I really wish you could see. Johnny is holding up exhibit A and exhibit B as we go here. And he has them. And uh, he's also put them into slim CD cases. For I have. I did boxes. that thing, sacrilege. Because the fat boxes, they just take up so much space. I've so- kept fat boxes though. They're in like literally a cardboard box on the top shelf of, of my wardrobe. The empty fat boxes. Here's something I never thought I'd see. Have you kept the foam inserts? No, I think maybe there might be a foam insert or two. Yes. Yeah. Come yeah. back, listeners. Come back. It's okay. We're yeah, it's all right. I'm just going to say, like, go back to Johnny's one night and say, do you want to see my fat boxes? Uh, <laughs> just in my bedroom. Uh, <laughs> I want to see my fat box, but I've not got the foam insert. Oh, no. Right. Anyway, anyway. Bang. Call me an Uber. <laughs> I'm going to ask, first of all, before we start to delve in some of the tracks on this, because there is a bit of crossover. Do you know what? There's not even crossover just with now albums. There's crossover with hits albums as well on mm-hmm. here. I mean, it's so. First of all, right? Where did these come from? What do we think? I think my theory was surveying the the compilation market around that time is that 1990, as amazing as a pop year it was, if you think in the rave kind of type Betty Boo and all that sort of era was great but the actual huge hits of 1990 were actually quite adult they you know there was sacrifice there was the righteous brothers there's maria mckee i mean even go back to sinead o'connell which is amazing but i mean it was it was all kind of very radio Two, the number ones of the big hits of that year when you look at now 18 the first signing you know you've got the beautiful south and all that sort of stuff it's not as kind of fun until disc two or side three and four i think there was also because there was competition from i think deep heat had started at that point and so they were kind of a bit more on the ball with the dance stuff mm. so now it's kind of in this weird quandary of kind of well do we kind of compete with them with the same tracks because there was loads of compilations around 1990 i remember at our price there was like just 17's get kicking which had kind of half these tracks on Mm. And loads of sort of dance-based compilations on that market. So maybe now is kind of having a slight wobble at that time because I I read something about now nineteen being like the lowest selling one. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also again, like along with the number one, so it's kind of you know, oh, what was that? Praise only you and Julie Cruz, amazing falling and all that. And it was very AORE, less just adult orientated. And also, I was quite surprised at the amount of not comedy, but novelty sort of stuff that was around in 1990. Because, I mean, that Hit Pack album had Gazza on it. And uh, when I was doing my anniversary things a couple of weeks ago, there was that Thunderbirds medley and all these sort of stuff. So 1990, the 1990 that we love was amazing pop and futurism and fantastic and dancey. But the actual 1990 that perhaps sold was, yeah, a bit old people. Yeah, I think I totally agree with that. I think that... um what becomes really obvious toward you know kind of post the big house music explosion the dance explosion and kind of the indie explosion as well is the gap the chasm between that kind of radio kind of two music as you say and 
what the kids were listening to in inverted commas and to put them all on one compilation just seems it does seem odd because and exactly as you say and when you look at now 18 they it's a game of two halves and i love that compact disc two or sounds three or four except for bomb ballerina it's almost a bit of a kind of um identity crisis for now yeah and as you see and it's like you've got all this other stuff going on you've got deep heat starting to overtake because looking back to 1990 now the three albums that stick out for me are actually the dance albums the now dance 901 two and three because they're more representative of the 1990 that i remember you know as a as a a late teenager as you would at the time so yeah yeah. always remember the deep heat albums pushed it a bit further there was still a safety in those now dance albums Mm. yeah i mean deep heat kind of had access to kind of exclusive mixes that some the now would kind of like oh now dance would kind of represent this is a the 12 inch version but like i remember some of the dp albums they did round up like what was actually being played a bit more yeah. in that sort of thing but i don't know you know because now 18 you look at that disc too which is amazing but it could have quite easily been taken over by warp you know with tricky disco and lfo and all that sort of stuff but i suppose if you're you know christmas day at home lfo by lfo might be a little bit heavy as incredible as it is if you think about it right so now 18 came out end of november 1990 now dance 903 was probably around about the same time it's almost like you've got dad on one side and you've got like little brother on the other side not hang on little brother by blue pearl that's getting confused now <laughs> was yeah, um little brother is one of my kind of bone contentions if we talk about what tracks should have been on awesome they should have just stuck naked in the rain on there rather than trying to be ahead by having a little brother on just to contextualize then to listeners who perhaps have stumbled into this podcast by complete accident (laughs) and are still with us after this time and are thinking well what is this awesome how would you describe the track choice of awesome it's sort of almost like a uh almost like the now now young set you know yeah. what I mean? It's a little groovier. It's kind of like a, a disc two spread over one album. Like we say about the state of compilations at that time in 1991, if you remember the hit album became the hit pack where it almost kind of just gave up. And that was one of the most random track listings ever, but that had groovers in the heart. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and so there was almost like too many weird ideas, but awesome managed to kind of put on dream warriors and tribe and pop Elite itself and stuff like that, that were getting like, a bigger billing on awesome than perhaps they would have got on a now they would have been tucked away as like track 17 18 19 or something i think what was funny go back to it for me was chronologically it starts in june 1990 and then goes up to january february 91 with stuff like hippie check reissued and it it was a very weird time again there was lots of reissues about as well if at that time if you remember there was like clash at number one there's the water boys uh hole of the moon and Lots of old stuff, and, you know, it's a very weird time of the chart. I actually seem to remember cassette copies of this. I think it was almost designed to be on cassette. It feels like, I know what you're saying about, you know, some of them are relatively old, really, and it's not like the freshest hit, but it's it's more of a vibe, isn't it? Mm. They're going for, as opposed to these are all the latest ones. And, yeah, maybe they should have gone a little bit more for fresher hits as opposed to... You know, it's that 1990, 91 vibe of indie dance hip hop, isn't it? It's that melting pop. It's those three things. It's quite baggy. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's what I was listening to as a eighteen year old. We can sit here and way in the future, and we can say, well, obviously now is going to run forever because now is the most successful compilation series ever. Mm -hmm. But you wonder if after now eighteen, the people at EMI Virgin were saying, maybe this is finished. Maybe there's too much else out there. Maybe we need to start somewhere. Maybe this is the beginning, potentially, like a pilot of something new. Yeah. Maybe to make it more accessible just as a one-disc thing, because maybe the two discs just felt a bit too family. Yeah. And the audience they were trying to kind of capture were perhaps like, oh, well, yeah, well, it's just one disc. Do you know what I mean? And it's got lots of tunes on. Remember how those Now albums never took off? And then that awesome one album became the biggest selling album of the decade, and they just continued them on from there. Spoiler alert, that didn't happen. But you Oh, know. that's alternate reality I would love to be living in. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's interesting to note as well from a design point of view that Now 18, where, where this wobble occurs is where they lose the classic Now logo. Yes. They're trying a couple of new things here where they've got like now with an exclamation mark on the front really interesting how how those two nows are really quite similar the design to awesome there's the exclamation mark there's kind of silhouettes behind and things like that and it's funny because because this period of now 18 and 19 does feel like even from an image point of view it feels like a bit of an identity crisis because then after that they get they hit now 20 that classic 3D logo that still exists to this day, 30 years later. So, so you it's... wonder then if post Awesome 2, around about that time, they thought, actually, let's just, rather than invest in this slight live and kicking style look of, <laughs> of Saturday morning comps, let's actually go for a proper rebrand on now and let's basically kick the arse out of the compilation market, which they then did. During that period when they thought, let's have, let's just kick the arse out of the uh, thingy, they just saw the death of the Hits album. Oh, yeah. they've done Monster Hits, the Hit Pack, and they've misnumbered the next one. And He's mentioned the misnumbered. I mean, I've had it in my Discogs basket for like 60 pence for God knows how long. No one's that bothered about it. Wow. But I was looking at it, and that track listing is off its tits. There's literally about five listenable tracks. Um, it's hits 15 people but it's not called hits 15 it's called the hits album and it's but it is hits 15 but they missed hits 14 and they had a hit pack and they had two monster hits and a snap snap it up yeah they they had i mean we've got a cheek talking about the no identity crisis haven't we really yeah that's true that's true yeah. hits were completely yeah but i mean you say it's a kind of i mean i'm looking at this track list now for hits 15 <laughs> it's going to be the first of many ridiculous things that I say. Or have I already said something ridiculous? Sonia's Only Fools Never Fall in Love is one of my favourite pop songs ever. I don't know why. It just is. That's Better okay. than anything she did with, with Stock Aitken and Waterman. I still listen to it to this day. It's a little bit like uh, S Club 7's Reach's mother. Sonia walk so s club could run and then that that so we're talking about cd1 so we are distracting ourselves aren't we a bit but it's interesting because you do look at the um the track list of that and actually hits 15 is quite cool you know it's for the kids more more so than um than perhaps now 18 or 19 or even 20 it goes really odd at the end it's funny how it's kind of almost flipped the script and it's got all the kind of rocky slash ballady stuff basically on side four. Everything else is Carter's on here. Pop Will Eat itself is on here. 
Gary Gareth Bale. Bale is yeah, on. Gary Bale. Yeah. It's a good show, compilation. Yeah. I think it's slightly, it's still slightly segues, which yeah. which I find annoying. You I'm know, to be honest, it's got shocked by Kylie on it. I mean, God, come on. And it's got uh, REM on as well, which must have been like you know a bit of a yeah. coup. So what we're seeing again, people, is 1991 was bonkers. It, it was, was bonkers. Nuts, but. Here we've got the now team basically saying we need to try and revitalize, we need to try something different. And that's where these come from. Now, when I was going back and looking at these, something in my head said these albums came out in the summer, but they didn't. Agreed. But equally, when we come to the second awesome, volume two, which is devastating hits, half of the songs just to me are like summer 91 all over, but it came out in November. It came out three weeks before now 20. So, um... yeah, it's, it's odd. The thing with Awesome 2, exactly as you say, it's like three weeks before now 20. And I did have a look, and seven of the tracks that are on Awesome 2 are also on now 20, which came out three weeks exactly. later. Exactly. So let's just pick out some of the tracks that we can go here. Like we've now started to see in this podcast, we're probably not going to go through every single track with the no. same... because no, it begins with one of the worst records ever, in fact. <laughs> Ice Ice Baby. Yeah, I mean, Vanilla Ice, I mean... Both MC Hammer, you, you Can't Touch This, and Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. Yes, they were huge hits and everything, but it was kind of that dreadful sort of time where America kind of rap turned into pop and the actual real kind of good hip-hop stuff which is also on here like tribe and that there was kind of almost a chasm coming because it, again it was sort of I, I can't bear them to be honest with you i think they're just dreadful records <laughs> i'm cautious that as i came on this evening onto this zoom that johnny was talking about um, a new kids on the block song being one of his favorite records i said they to me were one of the my least favorite pop things and they kind of drove this sort of pop hip-hop <laughs> rap thing anyway i should go because johnny knows where i live johnny's got his hand <laughs> up in my defense first it's not it's not on here it's on hits 15 it's on his 15 yeah and it's the only new kid song that i actively seek out and it's remixed by cnc factory and it's got freedom williams on it for me in 1991 that was just fantastic and i did oh. fancy like mark Wahlberg a bit i mean who didn't well, no, I fancied Mark. Oh, not Mark. Sorry, Donny, 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 Donny. Oh, no. New kids were kind of just like, yeah, they were spraying mace in my face, face-wise. But, uh, yeah, it was... <laughs> Uh, no, Marky Mark was hello, but um... <laughs> so yeah, so Ice Ice Baby at number one for a month, uh, gazumped by Cliff. Yes, and... took over from Righteous Brothers, didn't it? From what I remember. Wow, it's... I mean, it was a blessed relief in a way, but yes, it's not. I mean, it's everything about it's wrong. I'm going to say that Ice Ice Baby. I don't know. I mean, when like at the time, it was. It got to number one because of <laughs> In fact, do you know what, guys? That's Queen at track one, side one again. Yes. Sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> it's Queen at number one again. I'm going to say that. That's why that song was so successful, because it had the riff in there from Under Pressure. Yeah, yeah no, totally. Two in the Room I'm not particularly fond of, but I mean, KLF 3AM Eternal for an album that came out in February 91, that is shit hot. That should have kind of been track one, but yes, as I say, yeah. Queen probably demanded. And having Soho on there as well. I mm. mean, to me, outside one where it's um, KLF Soho, Tribe Called Quest, you know. Talking side one, he's got the vinyl, of course he has. <laughs> damn right, viewers, you can't see it, but I have. But I mean, the flow of it goes 
you know, after the first, after Vanilla Ice and Two in a Room, KLF, Soho, The Lars, this was kind of like the, the album. This should have had EMF Unbelievable on in a way, because that would yeah. have kind of jazzed this up slightly, because it had the farm all together. It was one of those kind of cuspy compilation albums where it kind of covered the yeah. year before and the year after. Jesus Jones, International Bright Run Thing, Bright Young Thing, even. Um, Pop Will Eat Itself, who I'm going to defend, who well, I think Pop Will Eat Itself have been unfairly maligned. And I, I think Pop Will Eat Itself kind of. I was very into them at that time. They brought out Defcon One, which came out the same day as Superfly Guy, and to me that was like amazing. Like you know, this kind of sample, kind of delic, eighty-eight magic. I think if you didn't have Pop Lead itself, you wouldn't have had the Prodigy being like. Uh, you would have had the Prodigy, but the Prodigy being the live kind of experience that took over stadiums and all that sort of festivals and that. So I saw poppies, as we called them back then, um, quite a few times around that time. I didn't go that mad to have that amount of T-shirts, but I went to a, a fan club, well, a fan thing uh, at the Marquee, and they were incredible. They were kind of like the first kind of act, not, well, I won't say the first act, but one of the first acts to kind of combine electronics and guitars successfully. But actually, that that whole early 90s, we've got decks, we've got guitars, we're wearing long shorts type thing. There's maybe a Bob Stanley album in waiting for that. I don't know what it would be called. But, but also, I mean, the poppies, they're preceded by Jesus Jones on here. Jesus Jones, again, I loved that first album, but again, they wouldn't have existed without Pop Will Eat Itself, no. I, I'd wager. Again, EMF as well, you know, this sort of skater-type referencing yeah. Sort of comics and stuff like that and so yeah there was kind of that whole era of kind of big baggy t-shirt skateboard sampling managing to get in like disco references and sort of dodgy samples under the radar this <laughs> is a good example of the the younger pop fans it's almost like you've got you've got a copy now 18 and i'm going to make a, a c90 for myself i'm going to pick some of those tracks out but i'm going to slot in Soho, and I'm going to slot in Pop Will Eat Itself in between, and I'm, I'm that to me is what that's like, you know. Well, it's a couple of years later, I started making uh, cassettes for my sister, and I would make kind of roundups of sort of my own mini nows. I think the first one was '93, and I had Take That Prey on, and I had some M People, and all these sort of other tracks that I sort of had as singles. But then I slipped in, um, I think PJ Harvey's Fifty Foot Queenie and Suede and some Etienne in there as well. I was kind of like maybe channeling awesome in the way that you know there was like oh you've got Seal, you've got Beautiful South, you've got you know these kind of things I've heard of, and then suddenly you've got you know a racket or something a bit indie or something I think you should listen to rather than this. I was going to say it's interesting because actually it kind of is the poppier side of all of that, isn't it? Still, yeah, like there's nothing. Hugely challenging on here. But I think Pop Will Eat Itself is the most challenging track on here as far as your casual record buyer is concerned. Maybe 808 State Cubic as well. Do you remember going to discos at that time? The beginning of How Soon Is Now would start and you would be going, is it How Soon Is Now? 
<laughs> or is it going to have the beat? There was a lot of Smiths fans, I remember, who were like, you know, oh. that in itself, actually, because obviously 91 was Fox Base Alpha as well, wasn't it? I think it was, 19? Yeah, 19. yeah, yeah. We're actually starting to really mess about with things now. And Soho felt like that. People were ready to shoegaze for six minutes. And instead, it was this hip-hop beat. And it was like, ah! I, I think Hippie Chick is one of those kind of very underrated doesn't get played as much but we're talking i mean when you look at the chart positions of some of the tracks on this album i mean that was like was it number six or something like that it was top 10 definitely yeah i mean it was box fresh when this album came out then you've got that hip-hop bit so tribe called quest kind of kick it and definition of a boombastic jazz style now had dabbled in hip-hop to this point yeah yeah, there's no there's no hip hop on now eighteen. I mean, the closest they get to it is maybe fascinating rhythm, which has a bit of a rap in it. So you're not including <laughs> have a, have you seen her by MC Hammer in that one then? No. Oh yeah, no, I'm not counting. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there's Dirty Cash as well. Uh, which but it's not it's not hip hop though. It's, it's kind of hip hop dance or no. And I mean, if you think that year that you had like Public Enemies, Fear of a Black Planet, and um, the first Tribe album and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It, you know, that's why going back to Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer, that just seems like a world away from that sort of stuff. Um, but Tribe and Dream Warriors were kind of a nod to actual proper <laughs> proper hip-hop for proper people. Looking at side two, again, Seal Crazy was, like, huge when this album came out, and yeah. it was an amazing. And Seal was kind of... I suppose it was still kind of a weird bet. Would that single kind of just be a one-off or what? Because, yes, I know you had Killer with Adamski, and that's incredible. But, like, who knew that Seal was going to kind of be winning Brit Awards for Best British yeah. Male a year later? And then looking at the end of the side where it's kind of kind of like Roxette and Beautiful South, almost like this is the C90 you've put in the car and, like, your parents are kind of not going to kind of throw it out the window. <laughs> throw it out after eight, eight state, you'll just say, no, Dad, beautiful South are on them. It's funny, though, isn't it? Because those last two tracks do feel like they just slightly drop the ball. It's... Yeah. It's also probably down to kind of the timing things. A little time was actually quite... I mean, I know we're in the, the age of TikTok. A little time was really quite short compared to kind of some of the kind of, like, nothing compares to you. I think it's half the length or something yeah. like that. I mean, even Yazoo Situation Remix, Reese Fizzle, you know, that, that the original situation is only about two minutes long. It's very random. And also The Beloved, it's all right now. I mean, The Beloved... You know, they'd released Happiness, one of the best albums in 1990, and the beloved of Fantastic, but It's All Right Now had already kind of come out, not yeah. really done an awful lot, yet yeah. it was kind of on there. And it's... What I found listening back to Awesome, it's actually quite a brilliant pace of an album. It flows quite well. Yeah, yeah, I think it flows well. It, it is focused until kind of kind of the end gets a little bit more randomy. That Yazoo situation, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't find the, that is the deadline edit. That's the deadline edit, yeah. You can't find on CD anywhere else, as far as I know. Like the CD single has the full length deadline mix. The seven inch has yeah. the deadline edit as as the single version. So if, you, if you're looking for the deadline edit, Buy awesome ones. <laughs> Available on good discogs for probably pennies, I would say. I'm but, selling mine for 50 quid. <laughs> yeah, let's actually bump up the price a bit. Yeah, But yeah. actually, yeah, you think about that, because Yuzu have been quite well serviced for 
reissues and stuff over the last couple of years, that kind of renaissance for it. I, you know what? Looking back, I was, and again, you know, you think of Yazoo, distant past. It was only eight years between, obviously, that had been released and this remix. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It felt, it did feel like, oh, look, they've got this ancient track remix. Yeah, but was... my goodness, Pop Kids, weren't the 90s fast moving? <laughs> So that's volume one. There's a lot of crossover between now 18, now 19. Seal gets the proper badge because Seal gets this, now 19, and the hit pack. So he also gets hits 15. Future Love Paradise is on. He does, yeah, which is a pretty decent track. Can I just also do a quick sales pitch here? If you're crate digging for books, the British Hit Albums book, when they used to do British Hit Albums books, got a yellow cover, it's volume five. It's got a separate compilation section at the back of it, which is amazing. I mean, it actually, and, and it's got them catalogued in like Tower and KTEL and Starblend. I mean, it's it's really good. But I did notice that Hits 15, are we calling it Hits 15? Number one album. I think I'm just checking, but I don't know if The Awesomes got to number one on. It was a number one album. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but remember, that was the compilation charts for that point. Yeah, yeah. It was probably fighting against Night Flight 2 and The Greatest Love 4. So, oh, where can we? What was number two? You shade Night Flight. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, I'm not. Uh, see, Awesome isn't even catalogued with the Now albums. Oh, as I suppose it wouldn't be. It's an EMTV, which was kind of yeah. what came in with um, in the late 70s with like the Hollies and the Beach Boys uh, as TV advertised EMI albums. Awesome made number one on the compilation charts. Okay. Awesome two made number two, for as it should do. Hey! Between Pure Lovers Volume 4 on Charm Records, anyone? That sounds like a reggae thing. And Rave. It's just called Rave. It's called Rave. Rave. <laughs> <laughs> rave There's one come up at the end here, which I do remember, called Steamin'. There was no Gs anywhere in 1981. Wow. Steamin' Hardcore 92. And I think on that is that track called James Brown is Dead. Do you remember that one by LA Style? Oh, God. <laughs> Crazy bonkers. Nonsense. When was Slamming Out? That was 1990, wasn't it? That was that A&M thing. I've just put the book down. Hang on. Uh, I, I don't know. Probably. It's yeah. no G. It, it had like a, a baseball type guy on. Yes, it's 1990, but it had Boca Juniors and stuff like that on. Oh, which... yeah. Breaks, bass and bleeps. That, that was <laughs> the 90s. <laughs> I got to number 20 in the compilation charts. So that shows you how rotten that was. There we go. Just while we're talking about the adjacent ones, mm. um, this is one of my favourite compilation oh, albums. Yes. You'll have Dun- to describe it, Johnny. It's a podcast. Sorry, sorry it's an audio <laughs> podcast, I forget. <laughs> Dance Energy 2, Volume 2. So I didn't buy Dance Energy Volume 1 until about probably four years ago. But Volume 2, this was, I think, summer 1991. And it had... Definition of Sound, Where You Love Like Heaven, De La Soul, Ring, 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 Massive, as they were at that point, not Massive Attack, Unfinished Sympathy, Nelly Hooper Mix, Francis Nero, The Source, 808 State, Wendell Williams, so groovy. So do you think dance compilations were such a threat to the now and hits? so. And I think that's why, because the whole look of the awesomes are incredibly dancey. I mean, you know, the letters in the word awesome are proper jumping around all over the place. Oh, yes, There's they are. marks everywhere. It's like, whoa, you know. I think I think there was a feel of threat. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was bunker conversations 
bunker compilation conversations. Is the now brand finished? Are we going to have to shift it into something else? I don't know. It would be interesting to, I mean, I would read an Ashley Abraham book. I don't know if many other people would, but if he was just, just talk like album by album of his successes where he started at Ronco and or whatever and if yeah we... well what you should do is every time you do a back to now and you have a guest on you should call ashley abraham at some point and <laughs> ask him what he was thinking at this point i'd like to bring in our very special guest today <laughs> no 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 <laughs> So, listeners, uh, if you've just joined us at this point of the podcast, we would like to mention this is the Back to Now podcast. However, it is the summer special, which basically enables us to go off script. And we are looking at the two adjacent now albums, Awesome and Awesome 2. So let's go from Awesome 1 and let's go to Awesome 2. I was convinced it came out in the middle of the summer. It didn't. It came out in November, but it does certainly feature a lot of 1991's big summer songs and i would also i'm just going to put it right out here for you guys to argue with me i think this is better than the first one yeah this so is my favorite compilation album of all time no no jokes this is my favorite forget journeys by dj forget andy smith's the document forget and Master Cuts, which is it's good. awesome volume two this wow just is the definition of me in 1991. And I love every track on it, even the Deacon Blue one. Which is the one I knew would cause I'm a lot of just laughing at the Deacon Blue references. I'm just trying to think, is this better than Radio Soul Wax? <laughs> Maybe. Well, I mean, Clearly. there's no depth. remaster of this on vinyl, I would be first in line to buy it. So, yeah, so three weeks before now 20 comes out so i don't know when this must have been in the pipeline from maybe let's say mid-september let's just now create a world where we're creating awesome two it must have probably been floating about they obviously knew it was coming um and... the oldest track or the more most recent track prior to release on that is possibly zoe or um oceanic so i mean it must have had a cut off date of around sort of like beginning of october or something because all these yeah. tracks are kind of so you've got yeah. Um, Love to Hate You by Erasure was September 91. The majority of the hits on there are kind of July to August. So it is, it is a Radio One roadshow. Bogner Regis, all those people on the beach. You probably could have taken this album if it had existed in July, which it didn't, to a Radio One roadshow and just played it from beginning to end. Yes. Well, yeah, again, it's like you look at some of these tracks which could have quite easily had Awesome One kind of shifted a bit. I mean, Unbelievable must have sounded a bit weird a year later. I don't know. I, I, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. But they could have replaced Roxette on there. Other tracks I, I kind of thought that would be better than Roxette and Beautiful Stuff. No disrespect to Roxette. I love Roxette. Love and maybe even Kim Appleby. But um, I had Unbelievable. Pinky Afro, because that would have worked in there, because that wasn't on Now 18, Happy Mondays. Yeah. Uh, and Naked in the Rain, Being Boring by Pet Shop Boys might have... Why wasn't that... That wasn't on a Now, was it? That should have been on a Now. I'll tell you what should have been on a Now, actually. DJ Culture should have been on a Now. Yes, to advertise the new discography. But this is the problem, and we're going to now put the elephant right in the middle of the compilation room here. There was no Summer Now album 
1991. Now, was there? Anyone who knows Ian Wade's Spotify playlists will know that there was a now 19.5, wasn't there, Ian? There was. And I kind of accumulated what was kind of on uh, the hits and what should have been sort of in between. And it kicks off with Cher and it's got um, Vic Reeves born free because Dizzy was like the hit bigger in the end yep. of the year. I kind of ignored, I, I took from Awesome too, thinking, imagining Blur, uh, Wonder Stuff, uh, Mock Turtles, I Touch Myself. And then there's things like, you know, Baby Baby. I kind of preempted Brian Adams being quite popular. I yep. think my my hypothetical date, cut-off date of midsummer uh, holiday thought, oh, well, everything I do for you, it's tied to a film that might go do all right. Yeah, the sleeve notes for that would say, um, released at the time of compilation, this may be a hit, exclamation mark. That's what it would probably say inside. <laughs> As you're listening to this, listeners, with your feet in the pool and, you know, on the beach, you can now go and listen to Spotify's now 19.5 because we will be celebrating that on social media as as this episode comes out. But actually, when I went back to this, so much of what's on Awesome 2 sits slap bang in the middle of what would have been that summer now. Yeah. So that summer was the summer of Brian Adams being number one for four months, basically, wasn't it? Pretty much. And everybody else just bumping up behind him, um, if that doesn't mm. up too much of an image. That first run of tracks, James Sit Down, Shiny Happy People, Size of a Cow, Unbelievable, Shaman, Move Any Mountain, or Pro Gen, whatever you want to call it. That is just your student disco night out. I mean, that is your pints of cider and blackcurrant and shots for 50p. So maybe this is what it was. Maybe Awesome 2 was when it got into its kind of indie disco kind of student type vibe. Here caters to the, you know, guitar set. That caters to the dance set. And yeah. Yes, EMI, we, we, we're going to beat those deep heat people, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But it wasn't a really big indie kind of compilation market really then at all. I suppose they were trying to kind of make one in a way. There was the indie top 20 albums. They were a bit... And they became slightly bigger and bigger. Because I remember have, I remember where, when I was at our price, it, it became sort of slightly more, well... A lot of that stuff was in the charts, so it had the charlatans and people like that on, you know, and um, yeah, that was becoming more and more in the spiral carpets and becoming more mainstream. That band Blur, they're probably not going to take off, are they? I mean, that nah. it's got one hit wonder written all over it, that one, isn't it? Yeah, it just was like some indie uh, chances with a baggy beat, you know, and bowl cuts. And yeah, I don't think that's going to work at all, really. At the time, did you, I mean, you could have just put them next to the Mock Turtles and they could have just had as much chance of being huge and successful as the other, could they? Or could they not? I mean, I didn't really know much about the Mock Turtles, except for I quite like that song. I remember the Mock Turtles having, a, I think it was called Mock Turtle Soup, and they were knocking around kind of the, the indie scene. So there was this kind of about-to-happen indie sort of period of 88, 89. In fact, actually, it's weird because James Sit Down and stuff was knocking around that time. And mm. then then it, it seemed like a really big kind of cheat that these bands were kind of being picked up by a... Uh, because James signed to Fontana, Wedding Present signed to RCA. And I remember there was like news stories or letters in the enemy saying, sold out, you know. Yeah, Pop Elite itself signed to RCA. There was kind of this big sort of almost like 
it was bad, you know. And you think, mate, look, <laughs> look in the future, look in about five years' time, and virtually all these kind of bands are going to kind of be on majors, but like indie facing outlet type labels. Do you know what I mean? And it's sort of, I think Awesome 2 was possibly a little early. Well, it could have had Metal Mickey on, actually. That would have been amazing. Wouldn't it? That was 92. Yeah, or even an Inspiral yeah. Carpets track or something like that. Thing is, every track on on I was going to call it devastating too. That word devastating came yeah. in my head. Every track on Awesome Two, you could see these bands on Saturday morning telly. Yeah, they were yeah. indie, dancey, but friendly. Pop and Dawn, definitely. I mean, they were kind of like the the real. You could you could imagine like a phone in with Prince B and all this. Yeah, it's... cordless phones and. Can I ask Prince B what his favourite chocolate bar is and stuff? I mean, you could see all that kind of stuff. So actually, now, sorry, EMI and Virgin, we're still playing it slightly safe. It shows you how the landscape was shifting, that you could get a band like Blur, potentially indie, baggy, um, but you could also sit them alongside, say, Deacon Blue or Erasure. Even Oceanic would probably have popped up on Live and Kicking or Going Live or whatever and would have probably done a pretty decent set and given away a really good package of 12 inches and badges as a prize. And, you know, so it actually still works pretty well. It's not massively subversive. It's just younger is what it is, isn't it? It's not it's not Phil Collins. Like this is going to be me on my own again, obviously, but I love Voice of the Beehive's cover of I think... I don't know what it is about the production on it, but I absolutely adore it. But that also is a bit baggy. Yes. Obviously with Woody on drums from Madness. So it was still a bit like that. It 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 had that same kind of indie pop sound to it. I'm, I'm just thinking that phrase. What was it? Subversive, but younger. What was it you said? <laughs> not not subversive, just a bit younger and not so That's it. So, listeners, tell us who your favourite pop star is who's not subversive but a bit younger. There we yes. go. Yeah, so, yes. uh, well, any of these, which is why kind of maybe Deacon Blue is a bit of an anomaly on this, and especially as they are kind of CBS at this point mm. anyway. So they're not oh. even from any of these three Virgin EMI polygram labels. Nope. So the, the album then swings to the dance side of things. Yes. Yannick, Utah Saints, Sabrina Johnson and Brothers and Rhythm. That run there is your Radio 1 Roadshow. Yeah, but it's also like, it's also what I would probably play at the Eagle on a weekend. <laughs> Actually, yeah, when was Kathy Dennis touch me? Because that's not on either of these. No, no but, 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 but it's on No Dance 91. Oh, yes. <laughs> you didn't bring that up, did you? No, no I haven't brought up that. So there was one slight diversion. Although I did notice this is called 20 Blissful Grooves. That didn't come out till October. So what were the No Team thinking? That's know. weird. Because that means now did that and they did awesome. And that's got a roller skating jam called Saturday on it. Oh, the best. Anything, you know, if you've got Frankie Knuckles and Right Said Fred on the dance album, it's kind of, that's the gamut, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really like that Zoe track. I mean, I think it had been out the year before and probably it was a bit cooler, but by the, the remix or whatever, yeah. It, it kind of invents Dido, doesn't it, really? Facing <laughs> <laughs> <Basically>, Young Smith. <laughs> I, I quite, I mean, I don't, 
actively like it, but I like it. I like those last three on there. Zoe PM Dawn, Lenny Kravitz. I like yeah. them. Was because my favorite compilation, so I'm, I'm yeah. bound to. But I, I loved it over, and I like the. Uh, in fact, I was kind of quietly getting into Lenny Kravitz because I remember when he first came out in that first album. I remember Q and Rolling Stone and all these sort of things kind of like, oh, it's authentic. Yeah, he's the next Hendrix or Bob Marley, this sort of stuff. And I was like, this is the last thing I'm interested in. It's 1989, 1990. I want, I want future. I want Acid House and that. And then he came back with the Mama Said album and I really love Always on the Run. But mm. yeah, that's an amazing record. Set Adrift on Memory Bliss. I think it got overplayed for a while, but I hadn't heard it for a while and it came back on and it's just really good. PM Dawn are another thing that streaming has kind of been. I mean, I'll check now. Yeah, get, like, you can't you can't get set adrift on memory bliss properly on on streaming yet. That first album isn't on there, but the, there's there are other albums on there. There is there is a greatest hits where like I think a lot of the other hits come away intact, but set adrift on memory bliss is not on there on its. Oh, it's re-recorded. So let's do a lyrics test. A careless whisper from a careless man. A neutron dance for a neutron. neutron fan. Fan. I mean that those eighties reference. Now let's face it, nineteen ninety one. You couldn't really reference the eighties because it was still a bit bad to reference. Well, it had it sampled true, didn't it? I mean, it's all over it. And then I had forgotten as well. Like, so you're talking about Tribe Called Quest earlier, and obviously Bonita Applebaum, right? They pull in Christina Applegate. I'd actually forgotten that, and uh, it's just so knowingly fab. I, I love that whole era of the Wild West of kind of sampling and kind of referencing and stuff. Yeah, there are so many, so many tracks around that sort of period where people just thought, "Oh, brilliant!" I'll just. I think even the Poppies were kind of one of that because um, they, there was a, a few samples on their kind of pre. RCA stuff. I think that's probably why a load of <laughs> they didn't end up signing to a major label because they couldn't afford to kind of clear some of the stuff. Yeah. Uh, and also, S Express they signed to sort of was it Epic or Sony for their second album? Yeah. So they needed a bit of muscle behind them to kind of clear some of the stuff they wanted to do. Yeah. So back to awesome then. Yeah. I did an awesome three uh, potential track list a couple of months ago. What? Oh, excellent. Ooh. And it was based on coming out sort of March 92. Uh -huh. So I'll just run through some of it. it. Moving on up, Justified and Ancient, um, Everybody in the Place, Finally, It's a Fine Day, Running Out of Time, Rhythm is a Mystery on a Ragged Tip, Dominator, obviously, Activate, because Alternate when it came along. And then there was sort of Playing with Knives, Join Our Club, You Love Us, Love Your Money and leave them all behind so it's kind of a bit more funny. rave but um I, yes i shall send you that link so you can have a look at it some three and what and what colors the cover i would probably go for a yellow yellow is good yeah because it would be, it would work i I'm think gonna, um well, i'm going to put you in the spot right if awesome one is 20 massive hits thinking time thinking time you know where this is going oh, 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 awesome oh, two oh. Is 20 devastating hits what would the 20 hits for Awesome 3 be? I'm trying to think of a 92 word. I mean, <laughs> blinding. Probably the most devastating thing about this is that there wasn't an Awesome 3. That's like, you know. So yeah, yeah. And actually, what is really good about them as well, and again, this is not a visual thing for podcast listeners in an audio world, but the attention to detail in the booklets 
it's really good. I mean, I would... it's proper now pictures. It's now blurb. It's, now. it's it's really good. Reveal yourself. It's like Scooby-Doo. Take off the mask, awesome, too. You are literally now 19 and a half, aren't you? I mean, even the typeface of the blurb under the pictures is the same. It's exactly the same. <laughs> but that's why it is. It's it almost is. like, you know... We are, I mean, it is, it's everything. It's actually, we should, yeah, we should put um, an FOI out to the now team. Have you got like anything in a ledger of a meeting of what happened with Orson one and two and why it didn't happen? We want to revisit take us back investigative style to 1991 and tell us why, yes. and tell us yes. why we don't have awesome three. What, yes, if it's, if it's got something to do with sales figures or public reaction i mean say, i mean look at us we are men of a certain age we weren't part of any kind of focus group for compilation albums what we're essentially saying is like the 12 months between kind of summer 90 and oh, okay 18 months now and hits and everybody kind of were kind of threatened by dance things and deep heats and all this sort of stuff so it's all kind of a bit of a crisis of confidence maybe for now especially with the lowest selling one and all this sort of stuff that by the time, as you say, now 20 came along, that it was like, oh, fuck it, let's just carry on type thing. Well, it was a bit back, 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 wasn't it? Because the track list on now 20 is pretty good. And, you know, to me as well, you know, it's there's two years that are very interesting in now's history, 85 and 91. And 85, because it was just that complete swamp of the market between the hits albums and the out nows and the, and the, and the nows, and you had that crossover, which was almost like a kind of like a feast, whereas 91 was almost, see what I do here, guys, a famine. I don't think it was a famine. I just think it was a uh, a diversification of the compilation market that we probably hadn't seen previously. Yeah. So it went <laughs> and diversified in one direction. It just went to dance. <laughs> it just basically. went down. No, I'm just thinking, <laughs> you've got a career in politics. Uh, I'm just thinking of you if you're in a Bruce on question time. No, 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 no. This isn't a famine. This no. is a diversification. It's just a diversification. Oh, it's <laughs> and the audience clap. Well wow. done, California yeah. for president. There we go. If nobody actually tunes into this, I'm so glad we have this focus group where we can just chat like this because <laughs> you feel a bit alone when you kind of do these compilations or well, all these playlists sometimes and you put them out and you think, oh, well, three people are like, oh, that's yeah. nice. At least well, somebody you know, there, you know. We start at the beginning by calling this a summer supplement. Now, if this was an eight-page pullout from Smash Hits oh, yeah. right, in the middle of summer, we've given people... A lot of reminders of some of these tracks. We've talked about other compilation series. We've given them playlists to go and find on Spotify. I think this is value for money. They just need a poster, really, or a yeah. You should have like maybe a colouring in sheet that you can yeah. have as an attachment. Oh, so yeah. people colour in kind of pop stars of the day, you know, Rizala yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Oh yeah, like an actual kind of Color by numbers, oceanic poster. Yeah, or, or pin the pin the dreads on seal or whatever, or something like that. You know, it could have activity set. Maybe like a kind of big beach scene, and it's like, where's Lenny Kravitz? Yeah. He's got yeah. to try and find him hiding between like wow. the breaks and the ice cream van. But no, I mean, awesome two covers a lot of those bases, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a brilliant snapshot of summer ninety one being released in November. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And can I just say, like, I'm also like 
you're going to hate me even more. I don't even know why I come on these things. But um, Pandora's Box is probably my favourite OMD single. I'll take that. I mean, to be honest, over architecture and morality, and let's face it, that slightly overrated Dazzle Ships album, you're going to take Pandora's <laughs> Box, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great tune. I love it. It was a it, it was a late blossoming for Andy McCluskey before Atomic Kitten. So <laughs> yeah, I love the sound. The sound is just amazing on it. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, That's a pop best it. thing they did since Enola Gay. <laughs> oh, if only you could see in Wade's face, <laughs> listeners. I'm doing it on purpose now. Clearly, I know he's yeah. obviously winding them up. To be honest, yeah. But also, Erasure oh, yes. Love to Hate You is one of my oh. least favorite Erasure singles. Oh, no, I quite like it. Now, I love Erasure, don't get me wrong. Pop is one of the greatest, greatest hits ever. Abaresque was kind of them sort of realising, oh, hang on, we're not sticking around with our singles so much at the moment. Let's pull it back slightly. Then Pop came out, and then that reminded you how amazing sometimes and a little respect and all this were. I I mean, I like it. Uh, It kind of works on this context i preferred chorus you see chorus is one of the well for that okay. mate you need the hits 15 album okay. <laughs> got it. Um, okay. the fat box fat box no there isn't any foam sorry i tell a lie there isn't any foam i thought <laughs> i'm not i'm not rustling the box around the microphone for a visual but i am um, i thought there was foam but yeah cd2 track one chorus by erasure followed by Future Love Paradise. I mean, that's a pretty decent. That's actually quite a good opener. In fact, you could have opened disc one with that rather than that. I couldn't even remember that Salt and Pepper track, and I can't remember the name of it. But it wasn't. Let's talk about sex, basically. We really are doing discogs a service with this podcast, aren't we? Yeah. You don't. We should get a commission. Be like a Spotify royalty rate, really. A with big spike so sale for nineties compilation albums off the back of this um, now adjacent podcast. <laughs> Let us know, listeners, how cheap you managed to get Awesome Two. Yes. <laughs> I don't know where to go next. <laughs> No, I think hang up now. I think think so. I think I think we may have run out of credit. And in no shape or form now, obviously looking back with hindsight, was now ever going to come off the reels. But it's, it makes for an interesting year. Awesome. Right, do you want to pick some favourite tracks off this? If you were going to, after having dug back into these two awesomes of massive and devastating songs... What would you pick? So I'm going to come to you first. Johnny, what would you pick? I, so how many can I keep? <laughs> oh, no, just one. There's only... There's only. Oh, crikey. Just one? Oh, well, the yeah. KLF. <laughs> KLF, Ian, what are you picking from? Oh, well, if I'm only allowed to keep one, I'd be KLF, but I'd cheekily go for Tribe as well. All right, okay. Okay, you can have, you can have a double A side then, Johnny. What are you going to have? Yeah. Oh, okay. So then on top of that, I would probably say... I'd probably actually say... Oh, Soho. Oh, yeah. Damn, 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 damn. <laughs> All right, you can have a double A too. Oh, right. got two. Hang on, let's just do three tracks from each side <laughs> and then they'll be easy. So, <laughs> I'll do KLF, Soho and Tribe. Yeah. Uh, KLF, Soho and Tribe. Okay. Oh, I, I think I probably, mm, yeah. KLF, Soho and then either Jesus Jones or Dream Warriors. Oh, good shout for Jesus Jones. Thank you. Yeah. Right, second side then of Awesome One. What are you having? I would probably go for Seal. Mm. 
I feel like I'm reading a menu. I'll have the seal. Um, I would like the Yazoo medium rare. <laughs> a side of uh, maybe, oh, it's kind of Sophie's choice between 808 or Beloved, but perhaps Beloved. Yeah, so I'm I'm guessing what MC Hammer Johnny and tongue in cheek. I, I I think I you know kind of I, uh, myself and Ian we 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 overlap and then we kind of go off that way, <laughs> but we do it because like I would say seal crazy and I would say Yazoo medium rare edit yeah. medium rare edit and I'd actually go for black box fantasy because I love that cover. Oh, sorry, we're out of black box tonight. Sorry. Oh, all right, <laughs> we had a bus in earlier. I'll go, I'll go for the Kim Appleby tart, then, please. Hey. Excellent. Right. Okay. So let's let let's cast that aside. Awesome. Two side one of that lovely cassette. What are you having? Uh blur. Surprisingly, shaman. <laughs> Yeah, that rap, and I think I'd go for. I think I'll try the divinals. <laughs> touch well, myself. We haven't mentioned the, much the divinals. No, no, we haven't discussed the. Have we discussed? Have you discussed the divinals and anything no. else? No, is I don't you, think so. Divinals, I touch myself, um, which is just mucky, and yeah, that, I think they're my three. Blood, uh, shaman, and divinals. That's good. That's good. Uh, shaman and divinals. Yeah. Yep. What you having, Johnny? I'll have the voice of the beehive. Do you want that with chips? <laughs> um, I'll have the mock turtles. And yeah, it's this is actually tough because you know this is my favorite compilation. So mm. yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. we put you into an unenviable task of picking tracks. Yeah. But just to be a a bit different, I'll go for the shaman as well, just to kind of dance it up a bit. But you know, EMF as well um and blur yeah not the best compilation ever for nothing um so, uh, so last side uh i'd probably go for possibly erasure pm dawn and lenny although i'm kind of mm, sabrina johnson i quite like as well no i'll go for erasure pm dawn and lenny sorry johnny's favorite o- omd song <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's one of my choices, clearly. OMD, <laughs> Pandora's box, thank you. Um, and then I, I'd go ravey. I'd go Brothers in Rhythm and Utah Saints. Take that, also, mate, of Orleans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I would have gone for Oceanic, but it's the wrong mix on here. It's, I don't like the mix that's on here. That legendary mix is really hard to find. I've never liked that record. Never liked Insanity. I've never liked Insanity, sorry. Wow. It just felt a bit so regional and really quite thin. <laughs> it's kind of like a spa version of Rave. There's, there's a, an array of burning bridges. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, now, I'm now, for the last time on this podcast, flicking through my British hit albums book to look for the, the compilation album called 20 Regional Dance Hits. <laughs> <laughs> at this point i'm going to i'm going to say thank you very much to johnny california and to ian wade for taking time away from the beach on this summer <laughs> special well uh, we've been literally like club tropicana me and johnny you know kind of just drinking cocktails in our speedos all day yes, so yes, like, we have. we're just going to go back to our kind of uh, job of uh pilots now and uh <laughs> sound old <laughs> Best of luck with the rest of the holiday and the rest of the year. And uh, thank you very much, listeners, for being part of this wonderful pull-out supplement of the Back to Now series that may or may not return 
But thank you very much for being awesome guests. I've been waiting to say that. Oh, for the last... oh, amazing. Thank you. Thank, you for, thank you for being an awesome host. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much. Devastating awesome. comments all around. Rocking. Rocking.